This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hi guys, it's Chris Mears here and I'm on the Big Scuba Podcast with Gemma and Ian. Um, please look out for my book, Confessions of a Dive Master, that's available on Amazon right now. Thanks a lot. Welcome back to the Big Scooper Podcast. We are your hosts, Gemma and Ian. Before we get cracking with today's episode, we just want to make sure you have hit that follow button or the subscribe button, depending on what platform you are listening on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you enjoy what you're going to hear today, we would really appreciate it if you can leave a review and a five-star rating. So now that's out of the way, we just want to say welcome and thank you for all tuning in. And now it's time to dive into today's episode. So, Chris Mears, you're joining us on the Big Scuba podcast. So, well, welcome to the Big Scuba podcast from the Philippines. Yes, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, you're very welcome. We're, we're just commenting about um, your backdrop because it's absolutely what we're, we're, what we're seeing. It's this beautiful, uh, tropical-looking uh, scene. It looks awesome. Yeah, the picture's actually from uh, a small bay called Big La Laguna in Puerto Galera in the yeah. Philippines. So uh, this is where I've been working now for the last 10 years. So uh, yeah, for? it's a beautiful view. What's that? Who do you work for? I work for Scandi Divers Resort. Okay. Yeah. So are they based just in the Philippines or are they worldwide? Uh, only based in, in Puerto Galera. We just have one resort with uh, 40 rooms. So a uh, nice size place. Yeah, yeah, lovely. And yeah. Uh, yeah. it looks like really good place to go diving. Yeah, it's um, for me one of the most convenient places in the world to dive because we have, you know, forty dive sites within fifteen minute boat ride of the resort. So we have loads of good stuff to see, yeah. and it's also as one of the highest concentrations of marine life in the whole world as well. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why. I've been stuck here for 10 years now because it's uh, it's that good. Oh, my heart breathes <laughs> for you, stuck in these tropical waters. Yeah, now, Chris, yeah. You, uh, so you're born in the UK? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, born in uh, in Chepstow. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. Right near uh, Endak. Yes, right next to the quarry. <laughs> Never been in there, though. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that often the way? Isn't that always the way? So how did you... If you're born in the UK, and you know, I know you, you've died, you've been in Australia as well in your past, and you're now there. How did you get there? What who who got you started in diving? How did this journey start? Well, my uncle used to dive a little bit in the UK, so we we have something in the in the family genes anyway. But uh, I never actually went diving in the UK. Uh, my first ever dives were in the Barrier Reef in Australia because I spent a year backpacking on a work visa there for for one year and yeah I did my first ever dives there on a, a day trip out from Cairns and then did a few more dives off the Whitsunday Islands on a sailing trip for a couple of days okay and uh, then I was hooked on diving but I didn't actually do the open water course until a while later so I traveled down the coast a bit further and I came to Coffs Harbour and I thought I saw a sign for a dive shop the cheapest place to do your open water course in Australia <laughs> So I was like, okay, I'm going to get it done here. And it wasn't like the Barrier Reef, you know. In my mind, it was, you know, all beautiful, you know, you can wear shorts and a rash guard kind of thing. But uh, 
we were getting getting kitted up and everything and then they gave us like a five mil wetsuit and and thick gloves and a, a big thick hood you know i could hardly breathe you know when i was putting all the stuff on and i was like this isn't how i remembered it you know just a couple <laughs> of weeks ago so uh yeah it was more more temperate waters you know it was kind of uh i think it was about 20 24 degrees i think it was which was quite cold you know for compared to up in cairns and that anyway yeah. yeah so yeah i did my open water course there in quite challenging conditions you know there was a lot of surge uh yeah there was it was pretty hard but uh yeah it was a good way to train and i, I think similar in a way to be in, in trained in the uk in that respect mm. yeah people do say if you've trained in the uk you're well prepared for you know more blue water diving as well yes Our conditions yeah. are never usually the, the best well, no that's, that's, that's true yeah so yeah um so you, you then dived in Barrier, Great Barrier Reef, is it? You dive uh, no, I, from there I actually uh, travelled uh, across to the other side of Australia to the Ningaloo Reef. Okay. Where, uh, yeah, where I did my advanced course over there. Yeah. So there's a, a beautiful dive called the Navy Pier, which is an old US uh, naval port. And the only only one dive shell had a permit to dive there, and it was really, you know, spectacular. A lot of sh big sharks there, uh, wobby gongs, huge moray eels, you know. And I and I saw all these cool stuff in just uh, you know the first couple of dives of my my diving career. Wow. So it was really spectacular, you know, to see all that good stuff. And then uh, yeah, so I finished my advanced course uh, in Australia before going back to the UK to carry on my regular life, you know, after the one year. Back, yeah. back here in australia oh, wow what an awesome yeah. place to learn oh yeah it was amazing yeah yeah so Actually, i'd like to go back if yeah. i could if i can afford it one day go and see how <laughs> it is again now with more experience you know under my belt I'd like to see if it's still as good as it was you know back then yeah so when you came back to the uk did you then take up more diving around our uk coasts yes i did uh, i bought a secondhand dry suit from this guy and I, I joined the the Caldicott uh, Bezac Club, you know, down uh, down near Chepstow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I did a few trips in the UK. I uh, went down to uh, uh, St David's in, in West Wales, and uh, Swanage Pier, of course, the classic. Mm. Yeah. You know, down to there and places like Babacan Bay and that kind of thing. Oh, nice. So yeah, I did that for yeah a couple of years basically before I uh, got back on the road and started to travel again. Yeah, so you get itchy feet then. Yeah, unfortunately I do. <laughs> it's hard to stay in one. Well, now I've been here 10 years, but before that, yeah, I'd kind of hop around a bit, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So did you then take your diving down the professional route? Yes. Uh, me and a, a friend of mine called Steve, uh, we decided to go to do some traveling around South and Central America. So he had just won a bunch of money on a, the Deal or No Deal show, you know, it used to be on oh, Channel nice. 4. So he won 25 grand. Nice. I had a bunch of money saved up as well to, to go traveling. So we, we flew over to Brazil. And then basically we made our way up through Brazil and through the Amazon and into Venezuela and Colombia. And then we sailed across to Panama. And then he decided to go back to the UK because he fell in love with this girl. And I carried on up to Utila in Honduras where... Uh, probably made the best move, you know, of my life because that's where I became a, a dive master and an instructor in Utila. I was mm -hmm. supposed to be there for four weeks, but I ended up staying there for four years. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, totally loved it there, you know, it's a really good place. 
so yeah so it's beautiful there yeah so did you find work in like a dive shop or another dive resort yeah i you know i was really really lucky in that, that you know some things just go your way in life that you don't really expect it to and i walked around all the dive shops in utila and there's some big ones there you know like utila dive center is a very famous one alton's is another one I didn't quite feel like it was right for me to go there. And I just carried on walking and I saw this beautiful house and it had a small, you know, a small sign outside that said Utila Water Sports. So I thought, okay, just go in and check it out and see, it can't do no harm. And then I went in there and there was a bunch of Brits in there. And, uh, you know, we just got on like a house on fire. And yeah, so I signed up my dive master, on well, my rescue and dive master course, you know, within a few minutes of being there. Yeah. And then the lucky thing was uh, the, the guy had a dive shop, but he also had a resort and a liverboard as well. Oh, wow. So, you know, I, I just went into the right place at the right time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I basically, after I finished my dive master course, they said to me, you know, if you want, you can work with us, you know, and I was like, okay, great. How much is the, how much you get paid, you know? And they were like, yeah, you get paid $10. If you do two tank dive in the morning, you get paid 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to sweeten the deal for you, we're going to give you a, a little place to live in as well. So there was this shed-like building in the accommodation block of the, uh, of the resort there. Yeah. And I basically lived in a shed for, you know, for a, the first year of me being in, in Utila, you know, earning kind of 10 bucks, uh, 10 bucks a trip out to the reef. Yeah, so, not often the best, yeah. biggest paid jobs, are they? But they're some of the best no, no. life experience jobs. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. You know, the, the island itself is, is a wild little place. You know, it's like, it's really like Ibiza, you know, in the Honduran version of Ibiza. You know, there's a lot of parties, a lot of backpackers going there. And it's really, you know, it's like 18 to 30 holidays, you know, every every night of the week sort of thing. So yeah. it's easy to get into the party swing of things. And then, yeah, after I worked in the dive shop for a while, the old, once you get experience, you know, I got over up to over a thousand dives there quite quickly because I was diving all the time. And then after a while, my boss said, I want you to work at the resort now. So that's when everything kind of changed, where I was going from diving with backpackers uh, to groups of divers typically from the US. Mm-hmm. So, of course, uh, they're very generous with the tips. So I started to earn all of a sudden, you know, better money than I was earning in the UK working in a warehouse. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah. You thought I'd stay so, here, didn't you? Yeah, I may as well stay here. I may as well stay. Yeah, I had actually had a flight booked. I had a two-year work visa for New Zealand. And I was supposed to fly from Chile out to New Zealand. That was the last kind of leg of my ticket. And, uh, yeah, I basically, on the last day of the, the, the validity of the date, you know, I was going to the dives, just ripped up the ticket and said, okay, I guess I'm staying. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, that's made my mind up now anyway. So, uh, yeah, so I was working the resort, working as, uh, even though I was an instructor then as well, I was really just, just more or less guiding dives, you know, just working as a dive master pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, and then after that, another year passed and then he said to me, okay, Chris, you're ready now to go and work on the liverboard. So... That was uh, yeah, another huge step. And uh, yeah, it took me, a, you know, I felt like a fish out of water, really, you know, with the first kind of few charters, didn't really know what I was doing. You know, there's a kind of salty old captain on there and some very experienced guys, and they were kind of, you know, giving me a bit of grief, so messing up some things. And uh, yeah, I didn't think I was going to make it for a while. You know, I thought, oh my God, they're going to can me. You know, I'm, I'm useless yeah. at this. But 
after a few weeks, you know, I got into it and learned the ropes and everything. And, uh, and it's yeah, you learn your dives it. as well. What's that? It, on the liverboards, you have to learn the dive routes. And um, yeah, I knew quite a few of the dive sites already because we would do we do the same ones at the dive shop anyway. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, most of them was were the same. There was a few over in Roatan which I had no idea about, you know. So uh, I would just tag along, you know, for, for most of those dives at the start just to learn the the way around and everything before yeah. they would actually trust me to go and, and lead the dives myself. So yeah. So mm. yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, and that was four years, you know, in, in Honduras. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> Yeah, it must so be, fast. must be really interesting meeting so many people as well. You know, they're, yeah. they're on holidays and yeah, must be yeah. really interesting. Yeah, every week, you know, you get a new group. So, and it's, yeah, it's kind of sad because you just feel like you're getting to know the, you know, the one group and then all of a sudden they're gone and you've yeah. got a few hours to clean the boat and, you know, restock everything. And then there's a fresh group arrives again. So, uh, yeah, it can be kind of like a never-ending cycle. Like but, uh, day, yeah. yeah, like Groundhog Day, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I've met a lot of good friends, you know, I'm in touch with a lot of people that I've been diving with over the years, even now, you know, so, uh, yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's made me a lot of friendships, and I have, so have plenty you, of places to stay uh, through the work, world. Have you met, like, different people through the diving industry, you know, who... Like I don't know, uh, like fourth element or kind of yeah. yeah. So do you, do you get to meet any of the people in the industry who come to your, you know, through through what you've been doing? Um, sometimes you know, like they have uh, they used to have trial weeks for Aqualung. They used to bring a load of gear on board so everybody could try it, you know, for free yeah. sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, to be honest, I, most of the kind of the manufacturing guys you get to know them from the dive shows yeah. more than them more than them coming on onto the Liverboard or, or resorts typically. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's amazing yeah. where diving takes you, though, isn't it? We often yeah. find this <laughs> with our guests. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, they learn to dive at whatever age, young, old, where, whenever, and then it just takes them away to yeah. to a different part of the world. There's so many paths you can yeah. do with dive. People just think, oh, diving's underwater, but it can be no, people's it's... career, and it's just you know, if, whether it's marine biology. Or... The underwater bit, I feel yeah. like the glue that then holds the rest of the divers life together because you know they might meet a partner through the dive and they might meet new friends through the dive and they might then mm. go get a job in diving and the diving is just that one piece that all these other bits all then filter off and it's amazing really yeah yeah it's, it's definitely a small world you know i've met so many different types of people along the way you know i've, I've been diving with super bowl winners you know from from the us and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff people who you know, are looking to cure cancer with these kind of drugs and everything, you know, so yeah. every, you know, typically on a, on a full chart, you get 16 people, you know, so they're from all over the place, you know, mm -hmm. and you really, uh, you know, you get to meet really a broad spectrum of people along the way. So uh, yeah, it's been amazing. And yeah, you talk about career, you know, I, my career has changed now. I don't dive as much as I used to, you know, now I do sales and marketing now. Yeah. So I just I've just done a six thousand mile trip around the you know the west coast of America, you know. Oh, so God. I've gone from diving trying to find seahorses to driving six thousand miles, you know, <laughs> trying to sell dive trips. <laughs> so yeah, it's totally be better, amazing it? how the turns in your career happen, right? So uh, mm. yeah, it's pretty funny how it turns out. So dive wise, what we're up to? Do you think then? What what sort? Um, of I, I think around. 
probably definitely over seven thousand. I've kind of, wow. you know, if I'm if I'm lucky to do two to three hundred dives a year now, I would say to be honest, you know, compared to that before when I was working full time on the boats, we were doing four yeah. or five dives a day. Yeah, you know, so yeah, I've kind of trimmed my numbers down a little bit. I guess you so weren't logging your dives then, but are you have you are you logging dives now? No, I got to <laughs> one thousand dives and I stopped logging. I still yeah. have the the log books in my cupboard. Yeah. yeah, where I wrote down every single one, you know, or oh, nice. you know, my buoyancy was crap on this dive, you know. So I look through them sometimes just to kind of, yeah. you know, reminisce about the early days sort of thing. But yeah, I just. Uh, and then my my computer only got up to a thousand dives, and it would reset back to zero again as well. So yeah. it kind of ticked over a couple of times. Yeah. But yeah, I would say between seven and eight thousand, I would say. A serious amount of dives. Right isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, amazing. yeah, it's a lot. It's so many dives, you know. It's really, so many dives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just mind boggling, really, when you think about it. You know, how many yeah. hours spent underwater? <laughs> um, you you've been to America recently. Do you say you've been to? Yeah. Dima, did you call in? Yes, yeah, we actually exhibited at DEMA. Um, yeah, we we were one of only three resorts from the Philippines that were there, you know, uh-huh. had their own booth sort of thing. So, yeah, it would, I would say the show was about the third the size of what it typically is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was nice, you know, it was after having so many shows cancelled, yeah. you know, over the last two years, it was really nice to kind of get back into it, you know, and set everything up on the booth and everything. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, to see... Yeah, it was a pretty good show, you know. I was a little bit concerned because before Dima, I, I visited about um, probably 70 dive shops, you know, all the way down from Seattle down to San mm-hmm. Diego. So, and then basically none of them said they were really going, you know. I was like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, it's going to be, you know, a very yeah. quiet show. But, uh, yeah, luckily it was okay. They, they seemed to show up from different places, you know, from places like Utah and that kind of thing. There's a lot of people showing up from there. Colorado and places like that so yeah yeah it was actually it was a bit better than I expected which is a nice surprise oh that's good I've, I've yeah. never been that'd be good to get over there yeah one day, day. Yeah. yeah you guys have to go you know it's really um yeah everybody goes there you know so next next year's going to be in Orlando so uh is it? Oh, right. plan a trip to uh, plan mm-hmm. a trip to Disneyland and then add Dima onto it as well at the end yeah that's the point yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another big scuba trip yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you guys can go there. You know, you could even you guys could even get a booth, you know, and promote your your podcast as well. There, you know, if you wanted to do some marketing over there. There's a few that go over. I know Scuba Radio. They're they yeah, Scuba Radio. They yeah yeah yeah. They're they're always there, and they they actually have a good place because they're at the very entrance to the show. Yeah. And every day of the show, they have quite a big giveaway, so they're giving away trips to places, you know, like you know, full dive packages and. Uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff they give away. You know, so, Greg, I heard him talk. Yeah, that's where he was. Where yeah, he was right? there. Yeah, I, I know Greg. Yeah, I know him a little bit. Uh, I actually gave him one of my books to give away to the people, you know, who were waiting at the front of Dima just to uh, do a little bit of marketing myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's good. So from Honduras, how did you, did you then go straight to where you are now or did you do a bit more traveling? No, there was a, there was a few more twists and turns along the way so um yeah after four years in Honduras I was kind of getting you know not bored but it feels like I want to try and see a new place and um the liverboard fleet I was working for they have boats all over the world so I, I messaged them and said do you have any other jobs available and they said uh, if you want we we have a boat manager's job in the Maldives if you want to 
go and take it on. So I was like, yep, yeah, okay. You know, yeah. without even looking at the Maldives, okay. I, in my mind, you know, the Maldives, beautiful islands, you know, kind of a honeymoon kind of destination, right, you know. But um, the manager who's working on the boat before me, she sent me a video of the manta rays in Hanifaru Bay. So, <laughs> you know, like the manta trains are like 40 of them coming at you, you know. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm sold. That, that'll be enough to <laughs> take me to the Maldives. So, yeah, I packed everything up and, uh, yeah, I flew back to the UK for a couple of days and then straight on to the Maldives from there. Yeah, so, uh, wow. yeah, straight on to a, awesome to a nice boat there. Yeah, it was a huge uh, cultural difference was the, you know, the biggest thing going to the Maldives because I didn't realise it, it's a very strict Muslim country, you know, so yes. you couldn't really party, you know, like I've been partying so much in Honduras for four years. I was like, oh, yeah. and they're like, oh, yeah, there's no... There's no bars here. There's no clubs hardly, you know. So it was a uh, probably a good thing, you know, to to calm down on the party in a little bit. So so that was a a nice uh, silver lining, I guess, to being in the Maldives. But uh, yeah, the diving was was spectacular. And after seeing the manta rays being cleaned at uh, Lankan on my first trip, you know, we were just hanging onto the rocks there, and there's like 16 mantas above our head just swimming around and around and I'm like why didn't I leave Honduras years ago <laughs> you know so I only saw one manta ray in Honduras in four years and I saw wow. like 16 on my first week there in, in the Maldives so yeah it was um yeah big difference you know different diving conditions very strong currents in the channel dives and that kind of thing so uh yeah but it was a beautiful place you know really loved the, the time there in, in the Maldives yeah, it sounds like you're really um, taken by marine life. Yes, yeah, I'm a sucker for marine life. <laughs> yeah, big sucker. Yeah, it's nothing like, you know, when I'm in the, going back to the Maldives anyway, when you're in the mouth of the channel there and you've got like 50 sharks in front of you and 40 eagle rays, you know, swimming together and ah. huge Napoleon rats, that kind of thing. It's like, oh, you know, and again, in, in Honduras, if you see one or two eagle rays on one dive, that's amazing. You know, that's like, wow, that was so good. But then I was seeing 40 at one time in Maldives. Mm. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of a different life, you know, because in Honduras, I had a house and everything so I can kind of relax. But in the Maldives, I never actually got a place to live. So I was pretty much staying on the boat the entire time, mm. which, uh, which was a bit more of a challenge, you know. So I actually... I actually stayed in the Maldives only two years, you know, because yeah. I also got offered another job then, which was also, you know, kind of hard to turn down in Palau as well. So, uh, yeah, from the Maldives, I ended up going to Micronesia to there. So, mm. had a good move. Yeah, amazing places to dive as well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you work with different agencies or, or different organizations? Um, yeah, I worked. Um, is it okay to name agencies here? Is it okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I worked for for Aggressor Fleet for for basically about six years. Okay. Total, yeah, on three different boats. Yeah, yeah. So I was the boat manager in the Maldives, and then I went across to Palau, where I started off just as the video pro and uh, basically a dive master at the start. But then they they put me in as a cruise director after a couple of months as well. So. Uh, yeah, so it was another good move to Palau, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard and seen about places like Blue Corner and, yeah. you know, German Channel and Sire's Corner, all those places. And again, 
<laughs> it just blow your mind. <laughs> you know, there's no other way to say it. When you're hooked into the reef, you know, and the current is blasting you so hard and your, your mask is, you know, your mask is shaking on your head. You've got to hold on to your regulator and stop it from coming out of your mouth sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really, and then you just, you're just looking out in front of you and there's these sharks just hanging in the water, you know, wow. like 50 sharks again, mostly gray sharks, you know, a couple of hammerheads sometimes and uh, sort of uh, bull sharks there as well in, in Palau as well. So you're just amazed how, you know, you're kind of struggling, holding on for dear life, you know, onto the reef hook. And then the sharks just kind of swimming very slowly right past your face, you know. So, uh, yeah, another another beautiful place to dive, you know, in, in Palau as well. It was, uh, yeah, unforgettable stuff. Luckily, the currents are that strong. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, you have to be careful as well because they have down currents right. in places as well. So, um, you know, the danger was if your reef hook came out of the reef and you were blown off, you could basically get sucked off down the bottom side of the, of the wall. So there was down currents that push you down off the other side. So, uh, yeah, we had to be very, very careful, you know, and it was, again, we had to, or I had to change as a, as a dive guide to, to learn how to spot, you know, well, hang on, something's kind of got to be watching and premeditated, you know, mm -hmm. to see who's going to be the one to, uh, to come off the reef, you know? So, uh, yeah, sometimes um, I, I heard of one group of friends of mine, they were at sea for eight hours. You know, they got blown off uh, Peleliu Corner, which is an island south of uh, Palau. Right. And, that, yeah, they got blown off Peleliu Corner, and it took them eight hours to find them, you know. So, and there's really? nothing there. You know, there's no there's no real big landmass, you know, for, for thousands of miles. So, they were very lucky to be picked up after yeah. after eight hours, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, it could be pretty hairy, you know, around, yeah. the, around Palau as well. So, yeah. I've heard that, actually. I know... Um people who went out that way and actually some really experienced divers, I won't name them, but we know who they are, um, who um, they got caught in a down current and didn't yeah. realise what was happening until they saw the wall going past them at a rate of knots. Yeah, yeah. This is a lady who's done a serious amount of dives, you know, yep. and um, been out there before and she said that really caught her out because mm -hmm. she said yep. she actually just fine one minute next minute hit by down current and uh yeah she said uh, she had a close escape there they can be can be tricky can't they oh yeah definitely it doesn't matter if you have a million dives you know if, if that happens you know you, you can't stop it yeah. and it, we had a couple of uh ocean upwellings as well which were really bizarre there we were looking at some manta rays cleaning in german channel right. and then all of a sudden this wall of water just kind of washed over us you know, it got really, the visibility went to zero. And, you know, when the, wa the water's kind of shimmering, you know, and past your mask. Yeah, it was just doing that. It was all kinds of stuff in the water, just all like a huge ocean upwelling. And the temperature dropped eight degrees in literally mm. two minutes. That's yeah, amazing. so some yeah. deep ocean well welling came out from somewhere. And it was like, oh, my God, you know, that was absolutely bizarre what just happened, you know, so... Just to be safe, we got everybody together and got everyone, you know, done a safety stop and then get back to yeah. the surface just in case anything else going to happen, you know. But, uh, yeah, some, you never know what's going to happen down there sometimes. You just be, be careful. Because well, yeah, we yeah. talk about the dangers of the UK, you know, it's cold, it's dark, you know. But actually, sometimes in, in really clear water, you can, that can give you a false sense of security. And, yeah. and yes. you can be down, I know uh, in the Red Sea, I was on a dive and 
they warned us um, on the dive that there's a good chance of down currents. And I right. remember thinking at one stage, I was, you know, I dropped down to like 25, then 30 meters. And then I thought, hold on a minute, I'm going to go up because I remember what they said on the, as, yeah. as the dive progresses, that's when you could get hit by the down currents. And I thought, right, yeah. I'm going to come up because I'd want to be down at 30 meters, then get hit by down current. Yes, you'll be in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. come up. I was like, yeah. Yeah, come up to about 10, 15 meters then. That's yeah. Better yeah. For that. yeah. Well, it, you know, you've yeah. got to appreciate the dangers of diving or you can't push your limits. Can you? You've got to be. And, you yeah. know, we're dealing with an environment, you know, like you say, upwellings, you know, whether that's earthquakes, yeah. or, you know, sort of movement. Could but, be, couldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I actually, um, I also was, I was diving through an earthquake actually in Honduras as well when I was working there. Really? Uh, yeah, the main earthquake was at two o'clock in the morning and it was a big one. It was like 7.6, you know, so it was a pretty big earthquake. Yeah. And um, I had been out, you know, on the beers. So, you know, I, I maybe would have slept through it, but my housemate <laughs> just kicked the door open, you know, he's like, get out of the house, you know, the, you know, it's a big earthquake. And I'm like, kind of, oh God. You know, I went out into the living room the and the TV just kind of smashed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the TV smashed right in front of me and then all the glassware was breaking on the floor. So we got out onto the we got out onto the main road and then my housemate ran away. So I'm going to higher ground. I'll see you later. Got on just bike and just <laughs> pedaled away as quickly <laughs> as possible. That would be really weird. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. It's crazy. But then uh, I, was, I was working at the resort at the time. So I went down the next morning and one of the divers I was with, uh, a vase fell off the shelf above the bed in the room and hit her head. So she had a big lump on her forehead. So yeah. she she didn't want to dive, obviously, with that on her head. So I took the other three guys out and um, we had aftershocks, basically, while we were diving. You know, it was bizarre. You can use a huge rumbling underwater. Wow. And even, uh, you know, the pieces of the reef actually snapped off. And they kind of rolled down onto the onto the sandy bottom then there, you know. So uh, yeah, if one of those hit you, you were <laughs> your toast basically. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that was another magical experience. Yeah. <laughs> All part of the journey. <laughs> yeah, so you've um, obviously written a book, uh, Confessions of a Dive Master. So have you documented yeah. all these different things in the book? Yes. Everything's in the book, yeah. I've, I've, People kept telling me, Chris, you should write a book. So, you know, I'm not really that skilled a writer. You know, I didn't even pass my GCSE English, to be honest with you, you know. So I said, okay, I'll just try and, you know, put some stuff down. And, uh, yeah, I've been working on it actually for for about four years. Yeah. And then we had the, the pandemic. So I finally got it finished, you know, and I, I got it edited and everything. And, uh yeah, I put it on Amazon. Uh, yeah, last last December, so it's been out for a year now already. So, uh, yes, yeah, getting some okay reviews, I guess. You know, it's I think eighty six percent five star reviews so far. So, so that's not too bad. And then that actually, I've because I've been, you know, stuck in the house pretty much for two years now in the Philippines. I've actually wrote a second one now, Confessions of a Dive Master 2. Oh, right. So, you know, I, I can literally finish that hopefully within the next couple of months. Is there so, any yeah, stories that stand books. out? Oh, there's, yeah, there's so many. You know, there's really, you know, I write, basically it's, it's almost like a journal of 
of what happened in each place, you know, so it's kind of in order, you know, Honduras and everything. And then, um, yeah, it's about, I wrote quite a lot about the manta rays in Hanifaru Bay, which was, um, you know, a spectacular place to see, yeah. you know, 150 manta rays at one time, you know, you, you can't really beat that. Uh, yeah. I've never seen anything like that in the rest of the world, you know, so that's a really, really unique place to see them. I've also wrote, you know, um, some funny stories about people, you know, there was um, in the Maldives, I met this Spanish photographer, you know, he was um, very full of, full of himself to say that yeah. uh, he was like, I can't show me, you can't show me anything, you know, that I've never seen before. So I just kind of in my mind uh, thought I'd play a little prank on him. And I said to him, have you ever seen a nudibranch cleaning station before? <laughs> he was like, there's no such thing as a nudibranch cleaning station. And I said, there is, is we have this one shipwreck here and I will show you the nudibranch cleaning station. Right. So there was always a lot of nudibranchs, you know, on, on the deck. They, they love it there for some reason. So I went on, went down and I found like three nudibranchs together, you know, in, in the small little place there. And then uh, I called him over. I said, you know, come over, come over. So he's got his camera ready, getting all set up, you know, moving the strobes. And then I said, I have my slate nudibranch cleaner station here. So he's looking at it. And then so I get into my BCD pocket and I pull out a toothbrush. Like to start cleaning. <laughs> Did he take it well? So, uh, yeah, he kind of, he swam away from me shaking his head, you know, so I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> I think he took it in the right way, you know. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's stories like that, you know, you know, the pranks of it, um, you know, people who've inspired me during the time, like I was diving with a doctor from Germany that uh, she lost her, both of her legs, you know, in, in a car accident. Yeah. And uh, she came on on the boat with the prosthetic legs. And uh, yeah, she just whipped them off when it's time to go diving, just whipped them <laughs> off and super, you know, upper body strength, like kind of went down the ladder, you know, and just went straight in the water, you know, and just used her arms to, to swim. And I was like, wow, you know, what an inspiration, you know, yeah. for her to, to carry on and do that, you know, after... You know, having she a terrible accident. She had gloves that are like thin. She get... No, she just she just had normal hands. It didn't wear anything, nothing extra. Just really? just had a, but she was ripped. You know, her upper body strength was was yeah. really really strong. You know, so uh, yeah, people like that always stuck in my mind. Um, there's some sad stories about we had a guy who passed away from a heart attack on on one dive, which also made it into the book. So that was uh, you know kind of a bad day at sea. So. Yeah, it's kind of happy and sad mixed in with a few bar stories, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then basically, I've tried to make it as interesting as possible so people read and think, oh my God, I want, really want to go to Palau or I really want to go to the Maldives. Yeah. You know, so that was really the idea of, uh, you know, also promoting each place that I've worked as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a good read. It's a, I'm quite happy with it to be honest. Quite funny. <laughs> and actually, well, that's now? quite good. So what about where, what about where you are now? Where I am now. So um, after being on liverboards for just over six years, and I actually met my now wife. Oh, right. In Palau, she's from the Philippines, but really? uh, yeah, we got together in Palau. And uh, yeah, I decided to, I said, well, what about the Philippines? You know, why don't we go and check it out there to see, you know, if we can make a life over there. So uh, a friend of mine 
was working for one of the bigger resorts there and I applied for, for a job with them and I got the, the dive shop manager's job there in, in the resort. So yeah. um, it was, uh, yeah, this was in Portugal era as well. So um, yeah, I, I came over, you know, and it was a different, totally different game again there because I was going from diving with, you know, 16 people yeah. On, on my first week there, we had something like 65 divers, you know, all at the same time. Oh, wow. So it was another quick learning curve to, you know, to handle logistics, you know, and get everybody, you know, kind of separated out, you know, and yes. going at staggered time. So we're not everybody at the resort at the same time. So, yeah, it was another big, uh, big learning curve, you know, going back into a resort environment as well after being on the boats for so long. Yeah, but it was nice to go home every night, though. You know, that was one big bonus <laughs> after being on the ships for so many years. You kind of forget what it's like to to go home, you know, and kind of watch Coronation Street, you know, in the evening. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was um, Puerto Galera again. Uh, different diving destination, and again, uh, for me, one of the best places for macro. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, I am a videographer, so I was working as the video pro on the boat so i'd make yeah. a weekly video of the guests and everything so uh yeah i got to Puerto Galera and it was you know things are the size of your fingernail you know so i had to totally learn how to reshoot everything yeah. you know how to learn how to shoot with diopters and uh you know in, in palau you don't really need dive lights because you shoot everything in ambient light because it's all big schools of fish and that kind of stuff yeah but um yeah, going down from that to pick me seahorses is a it's a pretty big challenge, you know. So I had to really change everything on how I was shooting video before. So kind of took me quite a few months to be honest, you know, to get used to you know shooting the the smaller macro life like the the blue ring octopus, you know, and uh, the mimic octopus. The one that changes shape to mimic other marine life as well. Wow. So Actually, yeah, see. yeah, 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 and we do a lot of muck diving in Puerto Galera. So I was like, my first ever muck dive, the guys took me out. And do you want to just explain what that is? Yeah, it, it's basically, it, it's diving pretty much over a, a sand or rubble seafloor with hardly any corals and that kind of stuff. So it's basically, yeah, just like a bunch of muck really. Yeah. And yeah, I was swimming along for like, felt like forever and I was kind of getting a little bit mad I was like we haven't seen anything here we're just swimming over the sand you know and then finally things started to show up you know and the, the, the dive guy pointed out to me uh, the flamboyant cuttlefish you know and this beautiful little cuttlefish basically just pulsating in front of me you know colors changing colors, yeah. you know and it's feeding and everything like that and that was from that moment you know I really started to to love the muck diving as well so it was a huge difference. Uh, you have to change your mentality as a diver totally because you have to be patient. Sometimes mm. things living under the sand, you know, don't come out for a while. So you had to really change your mentality for that as well. So, but then once you get the hang of it and you, you start finding like the ghost pipe fish, you know, real cool scorpion fish, small frog fish, that kind of stuff, then it's like, wow, this is actually one of the best types of diving you've ever done in your life, you know? So it was another variation you know after seeing all the big stuff yeah in, in the maldives and, and palau it was really nice to to switch over to the the smaller things as well oh, wow yeah so do you get yeah. um do you get any large marine life there as well as the yeah we um we have a lot of turtles um the 
the best shark we have is the fresher shark. So typically the mm. first kind of quarter of the year when the water's a little bit more colder, they'll, they'll come out and uh, come up from the deeper water. So they're the guys with the huge tails, you know, and the big, big black eye. So they, um, they use their tail to kind of whip the schools of sardines and that to feed. So we're very lucky to, uh, to have them in Puerto Galera. Not many people know about them, to be honest, because they've only really been showing up for the last kind of five years on a regular basis. Mm. So there's another place in the Philippines called Malapaspa, which is very famous, you know, because they kind of get to see them, they say, around 70% of the time. So yeah. we're kind of, for me, the second best place now in the Philippines to see the fresher sharks. Yeah, um, reef fish, we have over 2,000 species of reef fish, you know, 450 species of corals, seven out of eight of the turtle species, you know, we've got this. Amazing. Yeah, I'm still seeing new stuff now after being here for 10 years, still seeing new stuff, you know, so that uh, still keeps it very fresh in your mind yeah. can't get bored no. <laughs> no no can't get bored that's the thing you know so uh, yeah there's always new stuff to see that's why you know to be honest i have during the pandemic i haven't been diving that much because uh i live one hour away from the resort mm -hmm. and um i couldn't actually even travel for eight months we weren't allowed to travel from town to town in the philippines mm -hmm. so i literally didn't go down there for for eight months at the start of the pandemic yeah. So I've only been down there a few times since, and I've only, actually only done four dives. You know, in the last uh, last eighteen months, only four right. dives. Yeah, it must come hard yeah, to so. after all this time. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know I could have gone, but uh, I also didn't have. I I got a new camera, and uh, I couldn't afford the housing because all of the guests didn't come. Right, so I was like, yeah. oh, I can't splash out now <laughs> on this. I have to wait, you know, until we uh, reopen again. Yeah. So I didn't actually have a housing for for about eighteen months as well. So that kind of so stopped me from going. Uh, I shoot with a, a Sony AX seven hundred. Oh right, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Gates housing, right? With, yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, oh, I use the Kraken lights. Yeah, Kraken Hydra five thousand lights. Yeah. Two of them as well. So yeah. So yeah, I promised myself now. Once we get this last couple of weeks of this year, I'm gonna. Put everything out of my mind you know and get back you know yeah. get back in the water and, and and start shooting again you know because, oh, that's good, uh, yeah yeah i've really missed it a lot and uh you know you, you kind of get a bit sad when everything's falling apart you know with your business and that mm -hmm. so you kind of and you couldn't travel easy so yeah i'm really determined to uh to get back out there and, and get a lot more video done over the next couple of years for sure yeah. to make up yeah. for it yeah, yeah, that's good. And <laughs> has your resort reopened now? Are you back getting back on your feet? Well, we're right now the Philippines is still closed for international tourists. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of frustrating because there was talk we were going to reopen on December the 1st. And then, of course, we had the new variant come through. Yeah. And then they basically cancelled all the plans. So uh, mm -hmm. uh, we're open for domestic travellers. Uh, yeah, to be honest, though, the, the everybody's pretty broke right now, even in the Philippines. So we have a kind of trickle down from Manila coming down to spend, uh, you know, mostly like long weekends right now. But, um, yeah, I really hope we can open soon, you know, because yeah. it's already been two years now. And, uh, yeah. Especially you get a lot of trade from America. I, I yes, yeah. That. Like I said, I've just, I've just been to over 100 dive shops there, you know, in the last six weeks. Um I haven't given up hope yet, you know, because there's a lot of them who want to come. You know, they're saying, Chris, as soon as you, as soon as you open up, 
How are they finding things in, you know, with the dive centers in America? What's the general feeling? Um, it was kind of a mixed bag, really, because some of them shut down altogether. Mm. I think um, from from my notes that I made during the trip, I, I counted 10 dive shops that had gone. Really? But then on the other side of it, there was another eight that new shops that opened. Okay, that's good. And then, um, yeah, the rest of them, were, oh, yeah, it was really hard, you know, and then some of them told me they had the best ever year ever, mm. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag, really. I think our yeah. local in the UK, our local dive centre has been doing well yeah. this year for, for courses, been doing really yes, well yes. courses. Um, yeah. You know, so so that's been really good. It was a good sign that people want to get in the water. And it's weird. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people this year, because, you know, for the same reason that they haven't travelled out of the UK, a lot of people have thought, right, what am I going to do? And you've got this diving in the UK, in the UK, yeah. and uh, now learning to try it more, learning how to dive in the dry sea. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of funny, you know, with regards to travel with the American dive shops. Many of them never stopped traveling because there was places like Cozumel that was open. Mm. You know, the Cozumel they never really shut down. You know, I've got some of my groups, yeah, who who went to Cozumel four times in eight months. You know, because yeah, it's open. They don't, you only need a test to to get in there. And then places like, you know, even the Red Sea, you know, there's, there's a load of Americans going to the Red Sea right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Loads of them. Yeah, literally. Well, because I, I check the travel of what in every shop pretty much. So I know what, uh, you know, what I'm up against. Yeah. And yeah, there was loads of them going to the Red Sea, uh, loads going to the Maldives, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Bonaire was another one. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. All those kind of places. Most of the Caribbean, Ro uh, Roatan was open and Utila was open. So some places never really closed down. Mm. If you really wanted to travel, you could do it, you know. So yeah, um, yeah but unfortunately, the Philippines didn't uh, didn't feel they could open up for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, we hope that will change soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. We're getting. Yeah, it shouldn't be long now because we have hardly any cases here in Puerto Galera. We have zero cases, and I think in the whole of the Philippines. Uh, they had 600 cases uh, yesterday from 110 million people. So, and they, they vaccinated a lot of people as well. So it's not really an excuse now to stay closed for much longer, hopefully. Because <laughs> it sounds yeah. like, the, yeah, compared to the UK, we sound like in a worse state. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's what I mean. Even in America, you know, I, I, I just, again, I've been there for a long time. And it's, you, can, you, you basically have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. Mm. You know, you have to have a negative test to get into the country. Um, and then when I came back to the Philippines, I just did six nights quarantine, you know, in Manila, even though I'm vaccinated, I've had COVID already. I, you know, I've done like three tests, I got antibodies, but we still had to quarantine, you know, just for, for yeah. six days right now. So they're really, uh, yeah, they're keeping it uh, very tight anyway to, yeah. to say. Did it hit you hard when you had COVID? Uh, no, no, not really. I just... Um, I had a bit of a tight chest for a couple of days and uh, the worst thing was I couldn't smell or taste mm. uh, being quite a big guy you know I, I like my food and uh, <laughs> my, my wife made a Thai curry you know and then I was eating it and I was like did you put any chilies in this because I can't taste anything so I got a, a bottle of Tabasco and I walloped a load of it no. on there and then I, I take another mouthful and I, I can't taste anything still you know it's like wow no, okay then I must have it you know so yeah I locked myself away in my bedroom and uh yeah it passed after my taste came back after three weeks 
and then after that, that I go in and check my antibodies, and they said you have strong antibodies now. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm a COVID survivor. Luckily, <laughs> yeah, three weeks couldn't taste anything. Yeah, yeah so uh, yeah, it wasn't the weird uh, thing, isn't Yeah. <laughs> But I didn't lose any weight. That's a problem. <laughs> it's like anyone thought, yeah, well, I can't be bothered to eat if I can't taste it. <laughs> well, the main thing is, yeah, you got through it. That's good. Yeah, I got through. That's the main thing. It wasn't uh, anything too, you know, too badly serious, luckily. So, uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully that's it now. Hopefully this new variant won't be too bad. And, uh, yeah, we can get on with our lives, hopefully. Get back in the long ride. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we'll yeah. Yeah, we'll follow you and look forward to seeing you back in the so, water. Well, yeah. So oh, yeah. Yeah. We've got some questions for you. One is, sure. well, we usually use ask about liverboards, and that, yes. which <laughs> I think what we'll do, we'll kind of change that a little bit, is because um, you've obviously spent a lot of time on the liverboard. Yeah. Is there any place where it's left where you would go on a liverboard that you haven't been to yet? Oh yeah, there's there's loads of places I haven't been to, and I'm actually I'm, I was just writing in in the second book. I'm writing a chapter about my bucket list, which I would still like to kind of tick off. What's, what's so, top of your bucket list? Um, top of my bucket list right now, I would say, is the Coro in Mexico. Oh, all right, mm -hmm. cool. Uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of beautiful videos uh, from it over the last couple of years. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's what top place, and of course you've got Cocos Island. Yeah. in Costa Rica and, and also Galapagos Damn you know so yeah. if you do those three trips that's about 20,000 pound right so you know <laughs> yeah flash out a little bit <laughs> yeah. you know, that's the, the kind of top of the bucket list because they're the most expensive ones right yeah so, so yeah I would love to get them done in the next couple of years if I could yeah. uh just yeah I need things to recover basically first before I can really you know, justify uh, splashing out that much. But it's actually, that's another frustrating thing. There's been so many good deals over the last yes, year. When I'm looking yeah. at it, it's like, uh, there was even one trip there for the for $1,000. You know, if you, if you worked in the dive industry in any shape or form, you could get a trip there for $1,000. Yeah. But I just couldn't do it. You know, without the, the airfare and everything, uh, the marine park fee is quite high. It's like $450, you know, so it's quite expensive marine park fee. So I was like, oh, I just forget it for now so yeah those those three would be top of my list there's so many there's so much stuff you know there's like i love the the blue sharks there's another thing that's kind of high on my list for some reason you know i would love to go and see the blue sharks in the in cornwall maybe you know who yeah. knows yeah. You can cornwall, right yeah so yeah you know maybe i would brave the the cold weather to see them or maybe the off the azores as well you can see them as well right so yeah blue sharks are high on my list um yeah places like Rajarampa in indonesia i really like to go and check that out um nice warm uh, places so yes warm places yeah I'm, where i can just wear my board shorts and, and rash guard that's what i like the best <laughs> so somewhere <laughs> yeah. like silfra would that appeal yeah. or is that a bit cold um i think it's a little bit cold and you just get that one picture of you with your arms out right touching the two continents right yeah so i yeah do i need to do that i'm not really sure <laughs> keep me in the warm i would rather see the, the big schools of fish you know more more of a marine life yeah type of guy you know no, it so, certainly, yeah. Come, yeah. certainly comes across yeah yeah yeah, yeah. one of our other questions is if you could take three people diving they don't have to be divers but you just want to show them the underwater world and they can be past present 
whoever, literally anybody you like, who would you take diving and why? Well, the first person I would take without a question of a doubt is my mother. She hates the water. <laughs> she would never, you know, yeah. If you get her on a glass bottom boat, you know, that's that's a big thing, you know. So, yeah, I would really love to take my mother out to see some of the reefs, but I know. And bring her back, of course. Zero chance, you know, literally, even though, you know, I show her my YouTube channel on the TV here, you know, and I said, look at that, man. Don't you want to see that? And no, nah, not really. It's nice. It's nice, but I don't really want to see it. You know? So, yeah, that would be one of the, the highest person on the top of the list. Um, other two, ooh, I would love to dive with David Attenborough, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, that I guess he's high on people's list as well. And uh, ooh, the third one, I guess the third would be my kids, you know, oh, because my kids job. are only, my daughter is, uh, my daughter's just turned seven. So yeah. she's ready to go for. Uh, SEAL team next, you know, after April, yeah. And then my boy's only four, so Brilliant. I'm really looking forward to. Uh, well, I've already my daughter's already been in the pool, me actually, in, in the resort at Scandi, yeah. So, yeah, she kind of surprised me because, yeah, she, she's pretty confident already. So, I was just putting my mask on, she was putting a mask on. She said, Come on, dad, let's go. And she was under the water, you know, even before I was before I was ready. So, and she was oh. just there breathing in the water like a true pro, you know. So, mm. uh yeah, I'm gonna have to watch her. I have to cool her down a little bit, you know, because if you're too overconfident, you know, something's gonna happen. Yeah. So yeah, I would, I guess, to take my kids diving in the future, that's that would probably complete the list. Yeah, for that for sure. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, nice yeah. touch. Yeah. Okay. Third and final question then. So you've got we give you a billboard, and that billboard goes out to the whole world, and right. you can put anything on it you like. It can be a question, it can be a statement, it can be a photo, it can be one of your videos, whatever you like, but it's your opportunity to put a message out to the whole world to see, what are you going to put on it? I'm going to be totally selfish and put my book on there. <laughs> <laughs> buy this. Yeah, buy this. Please buy, uh, you know, buy this book. <laughs> For our podcast listeners, listen. He's holding up. Yeah, that's, that's totally selfish of me. Totally <laughs> selfish. But yeah, that's what I would put. Um, you know, if I could put an environmental message next to it, I would say, please stop using single-use plastics. Yes. How's that next yeah. to the book? You know, just to try not to be, uh, you know, too much of a capitalist, you know. <laughs> I presume you see quite a lot of evidence of that in your, where you are. Oh, yeah, there's there's a lot, you know. I I saw the, the chart of the Indonesia and the Philippines, uh, you know, two of the worst plastic polluters in, in the world, and it, it's hard to see. Um, of course, there's a two side to every story. The reason why they're using single use uh, shampoo, toothpaste, washing powder, you know, bags of chips, noodles, whatever, mm. you know, they, they just can't afford to buy a big bottle of shampoo. You know, they don't have the money to go out and spend, you know, yeah. a couple of dollars. So they just buy these single sachets and um yeah the problem is when it rains a lot the rivers all wash out from all the villages and of course it ends up on the reef you know in the end mm -hmm. so uh yeah i'm forever picking up stuff you know if I see anything on the reef you know it goes in my pocket and i'll dispose of it uh the best we do regular cleanups it's not too bad 
but when it does rain that, that's definitely the worst time that it happens yeah. you know where it's uh, yeah it can be it's very different yeah pretty bad plastic bottles yeah it's a, it's a big problem um but we we're pretty proactive with the beach cleanups and that kind of stuff so and yeah we we typically train our guides that every dive is a cleanup dive if you see something down there just yeah, that's good. It put it in, right. put it in your pocket, and then dispose of it when you get back yeah. to the resort, right? So, yeah, yeah, I would say that's my biggest bugbear. Probably, you know, is a single-use plastics. So, I hope they can find a solution to that in the future. There's yeah. been a few things going on, like uh, uh, you can refill your shampoo bottle now if you go to the store. Mm. so you can just literally pump you can refill it by a pump yeah, so there's there's some people doing some stuff to try and uh you know cut out the single-use plastics some shops have stopped giving out carrier bags now you know plastic carrier bags yeah. that kind of thing so wow. yeah they, they realize you know they realize that the you know the reef basically feeds many many people you know in, in Puerto Galera yeah. so they're, they're pretty good you know looking after it so uh, yeah. yeah long may it continue yeah. yeah no good answers yeah, really yeah, good yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners if they want to uh you mentioned you've got a youtube channel um so if they want to know a bit more about you or your resort where's the best place for them to head over to yeah so uh the resort i work is scandi divers resort in puerto galera so the website is just scandidivers.com you can find out everything on there it's got a lot of videos pictures of the rooms you know, all the kind of good stuff you need for the resort. Uh, my YouTube channel is called Scuba Sheep Productions. And uh, I put videos on there basically of, of everywhere that I've, everywhere I've worked, there's videos on there. And I've tried now to, to make some more educational videos, like short mm -hmm. 60 second videos of marine life. And, and I've had some, with me speaking on some of them and also with text as well. So I'm trying to, share my knowledge you know with people as best i can uh again i've put some up but i do plan to to ramp it up a lot you know next year once yeah. we uh once we're back on track yeah that's fair. yeah and obviously yeah. your and then, book as well yes <laughs> my book is uh, confessions of a dive master uh it's available on amazon um yeah you can check it out on it there's a good description of the book and you can read uh most of the reviews are very good. There's a couple of uh, Saki ones there, but it's okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, I can also I can also arrange signed copies of the book as well. If you really want to sign copy, you can reach out to me, you know, through my uh, Scuba Sheet Productions pages on YouTube or on Facebook as well. Yeah, yeah great. Okay, yeah. well, hopefully, yeah, you'll get some interest. Yeah, through when the yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah it'll be great. Oh, well, yeah. it's been a great way to spend a Saturday morning. So thank yeah. you. Yes. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks a lot. All right. See you later on, guys. Okay, all the best. Thank Bye, you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now that does wrap up today's episode of the Big Scuba podcast. But if you want to hear more from the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button depending on what platform you are listening on. That way, you will never miss an episode from us. But... If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and did enjoy what you heard today, we would really appreciate it if you head to the show page to leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help us. If you do, please take a screenshot of that review and send it to us on Instagram and we'll give you a shout out to say a big thank you. 
If you have any questions for us or anything that has been mentioned in today's episode, be sure to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms or send us an email. The links are in the show notes. We will get back to you no matter what. If you have made it to this point in the episode, we both want to say a big, big thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We are not affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. If you wish to make any comments about this episode, then please do contact us via email or our social media platforms that are listed in the episode show notes. Alternatively, you can send us a message or voice message via WhatsApp on the Big Scuba Bat Phone and the number is plus four four seven eight one zero 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 five nine two four. We will always respond promptly and thank you once again for downloading this episode.